Hey, what's going on, everybody? Thank you so much for listening to the Zoe Church Podcast. We are jumping into part three of a series that we're in right now called Walk the Talk. We're studying together the book of 1 Peter, and I hope you've enjoyed this series. If you've missed in the last two weeks, make sure you go back and check out chapter one and chapter two. Chapter three is all about our inner world knowing that God cares more about the inside than the outside. So without any further ado, let's jump in to this week's message. Chapter 3 deals with the reality of our inner world. Talking about the premium that we have to place on the inner scoreboard versus the outer scoreboard. We live in a culture that only cares about the outside stuff says what, what you have and the way you look and who you know and fame and fort. That we live in a culture that cares about outside stuff. But our God only cares about inside stuff. This is all throughout the scriptures. Jesus looks at these church people and he's like, you know, I don't know why you guys always get it wrong. He said, you guys are always cleaning the outside of the dish, but the inside is filthy. He said, you should clean the inside. It will affect the outside. Come on, anybody thankful today? God doesn't care about outside stuff. That's religion. He cares about inside stuff. How free are you on the inside? How confident are you on the inside? How much peace do you have on the inside? How much love do you have? How much identity and security and confidence? See, you don't live your life outside to in. You live your life inside to out. That's why when God gets a hold of you, he changes your heart. He changes your mind. He changes your disposition. You go from cravings to do wrong things to cravings to do right things. It's in, God, I love this about God in the Old Testament. This prophet named Samuel goes to this guy Jesse's house. And God says at Jesse's house, at Jesse's house is the new king. He goes through all the brothers, all the broskies, all the barstool boys. He goes through all the broskies. He's like, this guy right here definitely uses whey protein, definitely works out twice a day. It's got to be this guy. God goes, nope, next one. Ooh, it's got to be this guy. He wins all the Frisbee competitions. This guy right here, look at him. He uses whey protein as well. He said, nope, next, nope, next, nope. He looks at the last one, the little boy, the last one. And and Sam is like, it can't be this guy. And God says, yep. Watch what he says. He says, man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. God cares about inside stuff. God cares about your inner world. See, you can fool the world. You can fool people with filters. You can fool people with highlight reels. You can fool people, but you can't fool God. He's there in the lowest of your moments. He's there in your, in your baggage and your broken and He's there in your highs and lows, and he's, he cares. He's helpful. He's kind. He deals with inside stuff. Oh, I love that movie. We watched this with our boys, the movie Inside Out. Have you seen it? Inside Out, you know, it's, it, it's, it's teaching us that sometimes joy grabs a hold of the controls and, and runs our life. Sometimes anger grabs a hold. Sometimes sadness grabs a hold. And we live our life inside out. God wants to grab a hold of the controls of your life and to lead you and guide you into the promise for your future. Anybody excited that? Come on. Anybody excited? It's about inside stuff. Let me give you a few things to write down. Look at number one. The first thing he talks about is inner beauty. 
Watch this in verses 3 and 4 of chapter 3, verses 3 and 4. Don't be concerned about the outward beauty. He's talking to women here. This is Peter writing to women. He says, don't be concerned about the outward beauty of fancy hairstyles, expensive jewelry, or beautiful clothes. You should clothe yourself instead with the beauty that comes from within, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is so precious to God. Now, he's talking to women here, but this is applicable to all of us. He's saying to the ladies, but this is to everybody. He said, don't get, don't get caught up with expensive jewelry and, and, and don't get caught up with fashion. Don't get caught up with outside stuff. In L.A., he's talking about lip injections. Oh, come on, I had to. I had to have a, I had to have a little fun on a Sunday. I already preached and recorded. This is playing on YouTube from, from Thursday, so I can have some fun right here. So, so he's talking about don't, <laughs> got him. He's like, don't worry about outside stuff. That was kind of fun. Give me a thumbs up if you're okay with it. All right. He said, he said, he said, don't worry about outside stuff. He said, no, 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 no. He said, you should desire inner beauty, the beauty that comes from the inside. Now, it kind of messed me up a little bit when Peter's like, he, 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 he says, um, you should clothe yourself in, instead with the beauty that comes from within, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit. Because right away, I think quiet spirit. Now, God, that is not, I cannot arrive to that for me. God didn't make me quiet. I came out the womb loud, okay? I came out the womb, la cucaracha, la bamba, your mama, whatever, Holmes. Like, that's just, that's how I came out. But God is saying, put a premium on not your outer beauty, but your inner beauty. Care more not about physical fitness. Care not about your outside appearance. Care most about inside, your inner beauty. This is, this is Proverbs 31 to me. In Proverbs 31, it says, Charm is deceitful and beauty is passing, but a woman that fears the Lord shall be praised. What the Bible's teaching us is it's all, beauty is inside. Beauty is not about how much money you have or the fashion that you wear or the jewelry that you own. Beauty is about your spirit. Beauty is about your, your generosity. Beauty is about your kindness. And he says, I actually want you to have a quiet and gentle spirit. Did you know the Bible calls us to live a quiet life? He did not call us to live a drama life. He did not call us to clap back on, on social media. He actually wants you to have a quiet and gentle spirit. This is the spirit of Jesus. He was gentle. He was kind. He, he, in fact, when, when they, they went against him and they caused, called him all these names, he didn't talk back and talk trash. He kept his mouth closed. He lived a quiet life. I pray over you that you would live with inner beauty. I pray over you that you would live a quiet and a gentle spirit. Come on, anybody want to be known for having a gentleness about you. Just love that saying, these words. Being a non-anxious presence. That when people get around you, they don't sense anxiety and, and, and volume. But they sense gentleness. They sense a quiet, and a, Peter is addressing the women first, and then he goes, guys, don't think that I'm not going to address y'all. He says, for the women, I want you to put more Wait, more emphasis on inside stuff. And watch what he says to the guys in just a couple more verses, verses seven, in verse seven. He says, in the same way you husbands must give honor to your wives. 
Treat your wife with understanding as you live together. She may be weaker than you, but she is your equal partner in God's gift of new life. Treat her as you should so your prayers will not be hindered. Point number two, write down, be kind. Treat her as you should so your prayers will not be hindered. She, now, Peter obviously has never been married because he said she is the weaker part. And when I read that, I was like, you've never met a woman from Zoe. And you've never met Julia, clearly. The other day, Julia's like, let's arm wrestle. And I'm like, let's not. You're stronger than me. These arms were not made for arm wrestle. These arms were made for talking. We're not arm wrestling. Like, I already know who's going to win. So when he said the woman is the weaker part, I'm like, he's never been married. But what is he saying, guys? Guys, just, just all the men. Listen, what he's saying is, be kind. Be understanding. If you didn't know this, let me just show you a great scripture. Look at this in the book of Psalms and watch what the Bible teaches us about men. Psalm 19, 22. What is desired in a man is kindness. What is desired in a man? A lot of stock options. What is desired in a man? Six pack? What is desired? Kindness. So he says to the ladies, ladies, I know we all want to look good. It's great. But place more premium on inside. Hey, guys, my translation, stop being mean. Stop being a jerk. St just can you be kind? Can you be understanding? Can you be loving? Can you be gracious? Can you be gentle? Ladies, I want you to have a gentle spirit. Guys, don't think I'm not talking about you. And he actually says, actually at the end, did you hear it? He says, and by the way, if you can't figure this out, I'm not listening to your prayers until you do. He says, if you get this right, your prayers will be unlocked to my ear. But until you're, you're nice, you should just stop praying. I think sometimes men, we come and pray and we're like, God, I need this. And God, I need that. And God's like, that's really cute, bro. Go back, apologize, say you're sorry. Start being a good husband or a good boyfriend. Start being a good person and then let's talk. God wants you to deal with your character. God wants you to deal with the inside. God wants you to deal with walk the talk. Is there anybody grateful today that he's showing us something to the women and to the men? But for all of us to understand... It's about inner beauty, and it's about being kind. This is how Jesus lived his life. Write down number three. I love the next thought he teaches us is don't retaliate. 1 Peter 3, 9, don't repay evil for evil. Don't retaliate with insults when people insult you. Instead, pay them back with a blessing. That is what God has called you to do, and he will grant you his blessing. By the way, insults are going to happen. Offenses are going to come. People are going to say things about you. People are going to accuse you. People are going to talk. Sometimes people are jealous of you and they don't know how to handle your success. So they just, they just point fingers from the bleachers. Don't give in to insulting back. Don't, we live in a culture that's like tick for tack. But Jesus said, no, when someone insults you, turn the other cheek. When someone goes against you, you don't have to go against them. In fact, this is the whole message of the Beatitudes in Matthew 5. Jesus actually taught us the opposite of our world. The world loves a good clapback. God says, stop. This is not what I'm about. This is not the kingdom. This is not what church is about. This is not what Jesus following is about. He said, no, 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 I want you to just refrain yourself. Watch here in Matthew 5. You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye. 
or tooth for a tooth. But I tell you not, I tell you not to resist an evil person. But whatever slaps you on the right cheek, turn the other to him also. If anyone wants to sue you and take away your tunic, let him have your cloak also. And whoever compels you to go one mile, go with him too. Sometimes like, dang, we got to do all that. I'm just trying to give blessing. I'm trying to get some favor. I'm, I'm just, I'm trying to get mine. You want me, hold on, I got to give tunics and cloaks up? If somebody slapped me on my cheek, you better believe. You better believe. I don't know, a person here, it's like, yeah, how about this one, huh? You want to do it again? Oh, God. But the Bible's teaching us, don't retaliate. Our knee-jerk reaction is, oh, yeah, you said that, you did that. You got something coming your way. I'm going to make my wife armless up here. Getting Julia all up in this mess. But the Bible's, no, no, no. Don't retaliate. Don't retaliate. You don't always have to clap back. You don't always have to have something to say. You can have poise. You can have class. You can have, here's a great one, self-control. You can, oh, here's a great one. You can bite your tongue. Did you know that even a fool looks wise when he is silent? You could be the dumbest person in the world. But when you're quiet, it's like, wow, they're so stoic. They're so stoic. Just being quiet. Not always having the need to have the last word. My little sister used to get herself in trouble. My, my, she'd be talking back to my parents, and my parents like, one more word, and you're going to do dishes tomorrow night too. And my little sister's like, blah, 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 blah. Tomorrow night, she's like, blah, 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 blah. Next night too, blah, blah, blah. I mean, I'm saying she can build three weeks just doing back and forth. I, as her sibling, I'm like, stop. Don't stop. I like, I like that. You, I ain't doing dishes for three weeks. You keep going, fam. You tell them what you think. <laughs> Couldn't help but retaliate. How about you? Do you have the ability to walk? As Jesus said, if someone slaps you on one cheek, turn and give them the other. If someone asks you for one mile, say, I'll walk two miles with you. It is about having the power and the persistence of being arrested by the Spirit of God so we know who we are. We don't have to clap back. We know that God's for us. We know that God's with us. And if you allow it, God will fight your battles. Here's the next one. I love the fourth truth that he teaches us in this chapter. He says, always be ready. 1 Peter 3, verse 15. We're in verse 15 now. And if someone asks you about your hope as a believer, always be ready to explain it. I just love that. This is my favorite one. Always, listen, if somebody asks you, why do you believe in Jesus? Why do you go to church? Why do you read your Bible? Why do you attend a connect group? Why do you serve on Sundays? Why are you so involved with your church? If somebody asks you, always be ready to explain your faith. I just like this thought of being ready because the being ready to me is, is, is like right now our boys go to this basketball camp on Saturdays. And on Saturdays they're learning basketball. One of the, he comes to the 1130 service, but their coach is a trainer that comes to this church. His name's Coach Sean. And Coach Sean is the best trainer. He's got all kinds of kids. Tra- shout out to Be Great Basketball. Clap for my guy, Sean Snell, teaching our kids how to hoop. And right now my son, my 8-year-old, Winston, he's learning the triple threat position. 
The triple threat position is when you catch the ball, you stand right here, and you're a triple threat. You can put the ball on the floor with a dribble. You can do a chest pass this easily, or you can just shoot. So you're a triple threat. You're, you're just right here, shoot, pass, dribble. You don't know which one we're going to do, but we're ready. I want the, you to hear what God's saying. God's saying, I want you to be ready to tell Angelinos about how awesome Jesus is. I want you to be prepared and be ready that if somebody says, why do you go to church? Why are you so happy? Why are you so generous? Why are you so kind? Why don't you gossip? Why don't you sleep around? I want you to be ready to tell them. I want to tell you, for me, it's night and day. I was a nobody. He made me a somebody. I was rejected. Now I'm accepted. I was dead. Clap today like you believe that we want to be ready to share about Jesus. And some of us, we don't, we're not ready. This is why. It is so important that you don't live a life of compromise. And if you don't, you don't live duplistic, one, world he, one, one foot here in this world and one foot here. It's so important that you just go all in on your faith. Because there's going to come an opportunity when someone needs to hear about hope. And someone needs to hear about grace. And someone needs to hear about forgiveness. And you're going to have that opportunity, but you're not going to be ready. And if you're not ready, what will happen? The Bible calls Satan the accuser of the brethren. The Bible says serve God with a clear conscience. If you're living two ways and an opportunity comes, your conscience is going to say, hold on. Don't you do all the Jesus stuff. You know where you were last night. Hold on, hold on. You, you, you know what you've been up to. Hold on, hold on. Wait, wait, hold on. <laughs> you're going to try and tell people about God when you're living What? And that compromise will guilt your conscience and your conscience will condemn you to say you can't share about your faith. The Bible is actually calling us to be ready. I know it's cliche, but stay ready so you don't have to get ready. Stay ready. Keep your faith hot. Keep your testimony good. Keep your heart right. Keep your life clean. Keep your relationships clean. Do everything you can within your power to stay ready so you don't have to be ready. Because I'm telling you an opportunity is going to come for you to invite somebody to church. An opportunity is going to come for you to tell people about the good news of Jesus. An opportunity is going to come for you to share with your family or friends or someone, someone that you run into. And we want to be ready to tell people about how awesome God is. Oh, I love this verse. Put it up there. Romans 1.16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel. I'm not ashamed of the good news, for it is the power of God unto salvation. It is the power of God, and I want to be ready to tell somebody about, about the good news, that he rose from the dead. Come on, he rules and reigns. He forgives anybody. He's welcoming anybody. I want to tell people about how awesome Jesus is. This is our privilege. This is our opportunity. The opportunity for us doesn't end with, I was a nobody, now I'm a somebody. Done. I was rejected, now I'm accepted. Cool. I, I was in the dark, now I'm in the day. Done. No. Now that I have this, he said, I want you to walk this out. And part of walking it out is not just inner beauty. It's not just kindness. It's not just re don't retaliate. 
It is be ready to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Be prepared at any moment, whether it's midday or midnight, that you can tell somebody online or in person, I know a man that saved my life. I don't know all the scriptures. I am not perfect. I'm far from it. But I can point you to a man that is perfect. I can point you to a man that can heal your problem. I can point you to a man that can set you free. Clap today, Zoe, if you're thankful that Jesus is the solution. And the last one, number five, right now, this is the last thing he ends with. Worship team, you can come join me, is be baptized. I just love this thought here at the end because we're preparing for it. First Peter chapter 3, verse 21. And that water is a picture of baptism, which now saves you. Not by removing dirt from your body, but as a response to God from a clean conscience. It is effective because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And that water is a picture of baptism. Not by removing dirt from your body, but as a response to God from a clean conscience. Did you, did you see what baptism represents? When you get baptized and you go down the water, it does not remove dirt from your body. It's not an outside cleansing. It's an inside cleansing. I always think of one of the best movies in the world, in my opinion, is Tommy Boy. See, you just laughed out the title. If you've never seen Tommy Boy, Chris Farley, they go out in the, in the, in the pastures and they go cow tipping. They're out cow tipping in the middle of the night. They get all muddy and messed up and dirty. And they find this gas station with a hose and Rob Lowe spraying off Chris Farley. He's just caked in mud, just nasty. And the more the spray happens, the more you can kind of see his face and see his clothes again. He's just getting washed. See, when you get baptized, it doesn't cleanse you on the outside. It cleans you on the inside. See, all things pass away and all things become new. This is inner healing. This is inner cleansing. This cleanses your conscience. This cleanses your heart. This is regeneration. This is new birth. You become a new creation in Christ. I'll just tell you, if baptism was essential for Jesus, baptism is essential for you. Jesus came on this earth, and the Messiah, the perfect one, the one that never sinned one time in 33 years, he looked at John the Baptist, and he said, I must be baptized. If Jesus had to be baptized, you should be baptized. Because it's not about cleansing from the outside. You don't need to be washed from dirt. You need to be washed from the stain of your sin. Oh, I love the Bible because the Bible says, though my sins may be as crimson, his blood can make me as white as snow. Is there anybody thankful today that I'm not stained by sin? Come on, I'm washed in the blood of the Lamb. Clap today if you're thankful. I'm healed. I'm whole. I'm redeemed. I'm clean. You're clean today. You're not dirty. You're not as your sins may treat you. You're not what you used to be. You've been cleaned by Jesus, and you need to be baptized. Oh, I love Peter, the man that's writing us this book. The man that's writing us this book is an old fisherman, and him and his brother Andrew were fishing one day, and this guy, 30 years old, walked up, and he said, come follow me. And for three years, Peter and his brother Andrew, with 12 guys, followed Jesus all over the world. And Peter got to the top three. He was close to Jesus, but right before he died, Peter denied Jesus three Three times He actually felt so bad about it that he went back to his old business fishing. He left the church. He said, I'm not a good Christian. 
I got to go back to my old life. Jesus comes and finds him where he is. And he asks him three times, Peter, do you love me? Peter, Peter three times goes, Jesus, you know I love you. You know I love you. You know I love you. And he reinstates him. Come on, anybody thankful today, no matter how far you go, the grace of God will not let you leave him. The grace of God will haunt you down and say, I've got a plan. Clap today, Zoe, like you're grateful for the power of grace. Peter gets back involved, comes back to the ZST, comes back to Sunday morning. He's in a hotel room, eighth floor, waiting for the Holy Spirit. Jesus says to the guys, do not start my church till the Holy Spirit comes. So they're waiting. They're waiting. One of the disciples grabs their busted up acoustic guitar. Said, while we wait, let's sing some hill songs and some elevations. They're just singing songs, waiting. And the Bible says in that upper room, the Holy Spirit overwhelms them fills them with power from on high and the man that gets to first preach the first message in the history of the church is the man that's writing this book to us his name is Peter Peter stands up full of boldness full of the spirit full of confidence full of inner beauty and he preaches Jesus remember in Exodus the first time the law is preached, 3,000 people die. But in the New Testament, the first time grace is preached from Peter, 3,000 people are saved. Because the law kills, but the Spirit gives life. Clap, Zoe, if you believe it today. And he preaches Jesus. Watch what he says in this first sermon. Acts chapter 2, verse 38. Then Peter said to them, Repent. And let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins, and you, you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Stand to your feet with me today.